Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. The questions posed in this podcast series all come from automation technology users like yourself across the process and discrete manufacturing industries. I'm David Greenfield, Director of Content for Automation World, and the question we'll be answering in this episode is, how to begin the digital transformation process? Now, to answer this question, I'm joined today by Bill Pollock, the president and CEO of Optimation, a company that provides mechanical and process engineering services, as well as design, automation, and systems integration. So Bill, let's start by defining the digital transformation, as that's a really broad term that covers a lot of ground. So from your perspective and working with a variety of manufacturing and processing companies, what does it really mean? So you're, you're right, David, it does cover a lot of ground. And of course, it means different things to different people. I mean, if we look at digital transformation and, and we look sort of out of the out of the industrial manufacturing world, just we live it every day in our own lives. And, um, it, it, you know, people like Uber, when they do um, digital transformation, are trying to connect drivers and passengers and, and their business model. On the other hand, if we buy a new car ourselves, we'll probably have a couple of apps that come down and they tell us things like the door was left open or we need to go for maintenance change or might even just say, you know, your, your window washer fluid is low, um, fill it up. So there's lots of friendly things that happen because of the digital world. And a lot of those focus around apps that go on smartphones and, and people sort of live in, in that space. And that's a huge piece of, of the digital transformation that's taken place around us. But, but when it comes down to industry and manufacturing, um, it, it takes on a, a different strategically leveraged place that includes things that are digital, but not things that necessarily live in our daily lives. So different organizations, they can be government organizations or schools or hospitals or nonprofits can all participate. But what we're sort of looking at more today is what's digital transformation in the manufacturing arena. Um, and so in, in, in industry and, and manufacturing, more of the interface is between company and company as opposed to just between um, people in the company. Because, I mean, there, there may be alarms that come to people's cell phones from a process or they can watch them from home. But for predominantly, they're trying to find ways to improve the overall manufacturing process. And a certain amount of that happens at the supply chain level product specifications um, around the just-in-time manufacturing or quality or analytics that power all of those. But, but more of the focus um, has been around this, what we call Industry 4.0. And Industry 4.0 uses newer technologies that are becoming more and more commonplace. But these are things like robotics, virtual reality, cybersecurity, predictive maintenance, analytics, um, 3D printing, and of course, all of this is possible because of the huge amount of data that can be compiled and manipulated with um, analytics and artificial intelligence. And those are the focuses then that, that manufacturing is looking at today for advancing their own digital transformations. 
Thanks, Bill. You know, just to back up, I, I was interested in your answer to that question, looking at how the changes have, have occurred across the consumer electronics spectrum and how that's changed our lives. You know, before we get into more of the details around the industrial applications of this technology, is one of the things that you see being key to this around what the digital transformation is? Is it do you see it as kind of like a merging of consumer and industrial technologies, you know, that we've gotten so used to in our regular everyday lives that we use that that's uh, being forced into industry or industry is having to adapt to that level of transparency and connectivity? Is that accurate to say? It, it, it's true that industry is connecting to that level. I mean, if you go back 50 years when the personal computer first came out, you know, they were so unreliable that, you know, they would crash um, regularly, but they were much less expensive than industrial computers. And I can remember there was a company called Nematron back in the 90s that made a hardened kernel operating system so that you could take a normal personal computer and use it in an industrial application. And that's when we first got things like the, the graphical interface when Windows first came out, because industrial computers up to that point in time were you know, text that would stream across the thing or give you tabular tabular viewpoints of, of alarms. And and so it, it's true, things that happen in the commercial side of life are adopted by industry. And I think that has in large part to do with the fact that um, the commercial applications are, are used in much larger quantities. And so they can develop the technology and pay for the development time and then industry can adapt them. Okay, interesting. Thanks for clarifying that. So, you know, getting back into the industry side of this, does the digital transformation, as, as we've been talking about it, you know, with industry 4.0 and various levels of connectivity and transparency among both people and applications uh, and the devices they run on, um, does the digital transformation differ among verticals? And by that, I mean, does it look different for discrete manufacturers versus batch or continuous processing operations, or is it the same across the board? No, in fact, you're right. It is going to be different in different applications. Um, and, and this goes back again. I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself. Go back 50 years or so when Edward Deming came out with his first quality management system and, and the original pieces, you know, he, he did the control charts and control charts were based on measuring certain variables off of discrete devices. And then you'd average out a certain number of samples, et cetera, et cetera. And when we tried to apply Deming to a processed chemical food, pharmaceutical kind of industry, in order to replicate what we had on the digital side, we'd have to take samples every second or five seconds or whatever it was. And we'd use those samples as if they were discrete variables. Um, so, so the same thing is going to be true um, in the manufacturing world now between discrete manufacturing and, and the continuous um, process manufacturing. So, so at the factory floor, the, 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 the sensors and the data collection will be different. But once you get it past that factory floor and you start looking at the big picture and you start looking at productivity and quality and 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 start doing analytics on failures and so forth then then you get to a high enough level that th there really isn't a difference really from one kind of process to another because because the amount of data you're looking at and, and the type of analysis you're doing is going to be pretty much universal whether it's a roll-to-roll -roll machine or a chemical fluid flow machine or a transmission manufacturing machine in the um in the automotive world 
Okay, so I guess it's a it's a lot like automation itself at a very high level. Looking across the industries, it's motors, drives, controllers, HMI, SCADA, et cetera, et cetera. But it's when you get down granularly that uh, you'll get into the specific differences, really, uh, between the different verticals and the applications. Right. So, so based on your work with different manufacturers over the years, how far along with digital transformation are most companies? Is and by that I mean is this something that pretty much everyone is moving forward with to some degree or another at this point, or is this still something that's largely in the realm of the larger companies or the only ones that are really doing it to any significant degree? Well, everybody's trying to do it. And, and sometimes it's the smallest companies that have the most innovative people and they figure out how to do things that, that a large company wouldn't just because of the sheer bureaucracy in the large company. But there, there's a number of aspects that come into play there. And, and people have talked about this for a long time. I think right now you can actually see implementation. I think part of the issue on the factory floor was that a lot of factories, even large factories, um, were a bit antiquated. And so the sensors and interfaces on the factory floor that would allow all that data to be collected and then sent up into a place where it could be transformed digitally um, didn't exist yet. So IIoT, or or if we want to say Industry 4.0, you could go to trade show after trade show over the last decade and you'd see all these people with ideas on how to do it. But then when you look at an installed base, you say, wow, hardly anybody is really doing it in a real sense of the world. But I think now um, suppliers like Siemens and Rockwell and so forth have, have put pieces in place, products in place, software in place, the interfaces to their existing older infrastructure. And, um, and so some of the lag and drag of digital transformation is disappearing because there's ways to develop the connectivity that's needed. Um, and, and so the larger manufacturers are, like you said, in large part, moving that way. Newer plants, of course, have a huge advantage because they can be built strictly around um, the newer technologies. But it, it, it is harder for the smaller firms and they have to look at ROI and they have to look at their own cash flow. And So with these smaller companies in mind and you know the, the lack of resources that they have compared to the larger companies, if smaller companies like that, that may not have taken any serious steps towards beginning a digital transformation at this point, what would be your recommendation to a company like that that either hasn't done much or hasn't done anything at all? How should they go about assessing their operations uh, to determine what they should focus on first to uh, give them a solid grounding uh, for this kind of transition? Well, the first thing, I mean, they have to look at, and sometimes they can look around and see if they have peers, but, but they really need to have a vision of where they want to go and what they want to achieve. Um, and, and I guess having visionaries when you're a smaller company, you have only so many people there who, who aren't busy, busy day to day who can sit down and do some long-term planning. But the first thing they need to do is develop a, a vision. Um, and then once they have the vision, they can start to say, what possibilities are there? What tools, what software could provide the technology um, for them to move towards the digital transformation that they envision? And, um, and then they, they obviously have to look at the price and the return on investment um, to get them there. But if they just start willy-nilly saying, man, and you know, it would be really cool to have robots or be really cool to have big screen TVs or whatever it is that they think they need to have, those pieces... Um, 
may be nice, but, but not necessarily drive them in a straight line towards what the vision is that they want to achieve, because if they don't know what it is they want to achieve, how will they get there? You know, so you make a good point there about, because I know a lot of people were uh, in manu- across manufacturing verticals had the feeling that they needed to do something and start connecting things or at least be going down this path. So I'm sure that leaves a lot of companies at this point that are somewhere along the path towards the digital transformation, but they might not, not have designed it strategically or, or thought about what the next levels would be or how to scale it properly. So given that, with, with someone in that position, how, who's who started it, but you know, obviously hasn't reached an end goal with it yet. How would you recommend that they assess what they've done up to this point, so as to take the next steps more strategically with a continuous evolution and scalability in mind? It will depend somewhat on the size of the company and their own resources. Um, so there's a lot of times, if they're a larger company with a bigger bankroll, they might you know get an outside consulting firm like a Gartner or somebody to come in and sit down with them, McKinney or, but but. Um, but if they're smaller, they may have resources inside who, who are visionaries, but they may want to reach out to an optimization or one of our peers um, to come in and, and work with them and suggest tools or methodologies that, um, that could help them to reach. And it might be that they need data in order to do that. And sometimes the first step in getting to your end vision is learning more about your process. We have, we have an analytics tool that we sell at Optimation called Process Monitor. And process monitor, you can hook up a bunch of variables and then it does some analytics and it can tell you, you know, the strengths of your process and the weakness and where things are getting out of control and, and, and maybe where the bottlenecks are um, because knowledge is power in terms of making the transformation. And until you know what it is that needs improved, how do you do that? And then where, 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 what's the low hanging fruit? And, and the vision for digital transformation is as we talked about earlier, it's the factory floor, but it's also at higher levels. Um, so, so sometimes, you know, on larger companies, they have com- two completely separate task force, one that's from their IT department, one's from the engineering department, and necessarily they don't talk to each other the way they should. So the vision sort of gets splintered into two pieces. In a smaller company, you can get all the players in one room at one time and work together to build pretty much a more seamless plan that, that can work across the whole company. Yeah, and, and staying on this this point of about assessing where you're at or, or how to move forward from whatever point in the process you're at, you know, I found that one of the things that tends to work best in communications with people is hearing what people have done wrong as much as what they've done right or what they should be doing. So given that as a, as a point or points of caution for our listeners, what are some of the principal mistakes you've seen companies make when it comes to their digital transformation initiatives? Uh, like a, a list of things not to do <laughs> if, if you have such a thing to share there. A good question. And we said earlier, sometimes you just start doing things because you think that they're cool. Um, so the first mistake is to not rush ahead and to define your plan and then start putting the plan together. And if then the biggest mistake is just not having a plan. Um, but then other mistakes are to not give a long enough time frame to, to expect return on your investment more quickly than is really going to happen. And um, so there needs to be some flexibility in planning. And, and the other piece is admitting if you get down a path that, things aren't going as well as they should, that, that it might be time to sit down and reassess it. 
And, um, and then, of course, there are always inflection points. This is not necessarily a mistake on the part of the people who did the plan, but you have to make corrections in course. And of course, maybe the best example we have here, which is glaring in front of all of our faces, is the COVID situation. And, um, and all of a sudden, it becomes apparent that you need to have backup plans or different plans or find suppliers who are in the United States instead of in China. And sometimes it opens new opportunities too. So your plan changes. So I think the deal is keep moving forward strategically, but be willing to adapt as you go. And maybe one last mistake that people make is maybe when they made the original plan, they used the wrong metrics in determining what was important. Maybe a different set of data or different analysis would um, provide more clarity. And sometimes those aren't obvious when you first start. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up uh, about metrics because that's one of the things I've been thinking of as we've been discussing here is, you know, what kind of goals or measurements should companies be following to ensure that they stay on a viable path that will actually deliver results for the company? And by that, I mean, I realize that these will, of course, vary for different company types and sizes and can be hard to pin down since digital transformation is an ongoing type of project. It's not something you start and finish two months later, but something that continues to evolve with technology. So given that, how should a company go about setting metrics and goals to keep track as it relates to the digital transformation? Having a good set of analytic tools for measuring is important. And then, and then the question will come down to sometimes if you, if you just use your analytics tool and you look at all the variables, you can see which ones are moving along sort of steady state and which ones are bouncing all over the place. And that would give you a hint that you want to understand why there's all the variability. Sometimes it's bringing in a human expert. I mean, we, we have cases with certain kinds of technologies where um, one of our PhD level people will walk the floor with his hands in his pocket and look at the machine. And then he can say to them, you know what you should do? Um, you should measure this, that and here, because it looks like this is probably your problem. And so sometimes it's just a human expert who can help you find the, the variables. The people working in the plant are so used to doing what it does that they never realized there was not some other alternative because they haven't been to other plants to look around and, and see differences. All right. Thank you for joining me for this podcast, Bill. And of course, thanks to all of our listeners. And please keep watching this space for more installments of Automation World. Get your questions answered. And remember to visit our website at www.automationworld.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technology insights, trends, and news.